Recorded live. <laughs> I like that, Dave. Scuba Obsessed Weekly Podcast. We talk about all things scuba diving from cool new gear, places to dive, and scuba news. Scuba Obsessed Episode 147 was recorded live January 24th. 2013. Welcome back to Scuba Obsessed. Here we are in uh, the the middle of January, and it's getting a little cold outside. So thank you for joining us on the podcast this week. I'd like to welcome back our dive mentor Mac. How you doing today, Mac? I'm doing very well, thank you. I'm all toasty and warm inside. Oh, excellent. And then, uh, not to be forgotten, we also have joining us this week, Jim Schultz. How are you doing today, Jim? I'm just just wonderful. Excellent. Excellent. Yeah, it's uh, k- kind of a, a shock, <laughs> this weather we've been having. I don't know why it's a shock. January should be cold, but I just was not conditioned for it. It's like when it got down to 20 degrees, I was freezing. It got down to 10 degrees, I was freezing. It got down to zero, I was freezing. I came out of work yesterday, and it was 19 degrees, and I didn't feel cold. So I think it, I've got my, my winter blood going. It normally doesn't go from 40 to 19 overnight. Normally it goes, remember, 40s, 38, 35, gradually. So you sort of yeah. ooze into it. Yeah, I, I was over at Jim Cleman's house, and it was, you know, I mean, it had to have been 40 degrees. Then the next morning, it was just ice, cold, cold. So I had some people give me a hard time. I went to the gym Tuesday after work. They didn't give me a hard time about that. I mean, that was in, the, in itself. The fact that I went to the gym was enough to make hell freeze over. But when I came out of the gym, I uh, was wearing shorts you know, that I worked out on and had to stop the grocery store. And somebody looked at me crazy and said, don't you know it's cold outside? I said, I'm wearing a jacket. <laughs> yeah, of course. Is that the day I saw you at PT? No, that was this week. Uh-huh. Yeah, it's at it's that time of year, so we're we we needed this because I I think if we had not had this cold snap, we could have easily been looking at a year with no ice dives. Yeah. And I think it's still in time to salvage some scheduled ice dives that some of the dive shops have planned. What was surprising was the river even iced up and has snow on top of it now. Oh, really? God, it shows how bad I've been. I haven't even been out there to take a peek at it. But, uh, yeah, I I guess it's that time of the year. Yeah, it's... it's There's skim ice on the river, that's for sure. It's It's been a while. It's been probably been two or three years since we've had a good skim ice. I mean, we've always had it where it will build up around the bridges. Well, let's go ahead and get started in the news, and then we can get to some of the good parts of the show. Why don't we go ahead and get started in the news so we can get to some of the good parts of the show. Oh, okay. Sounds good. First up is Halifax police are investigating the theft of scuba tanks from a shop. And uh, we'll just paste that into the chat room for them to follow along. Police are investigating a what they consider to be an unusual theft. Three scuba tanks from a diver supply in Halifax. Surveillance video shows the thieves smashing the front window at torpedo rays and running off with valuable scuba gear in less than 30 seconds. So uh, a smash and run. 
the shop owner was left, he said, scratching his head a little bit. He says, not everyone's going to be looking for scuba tanks. Not that scuba tanks are very easy to track because they have serial numbers. You have only so many divers and there are only so many places you can fill the tank. The tanks were stolen brand new without inspection stickers. The shop owners won't fill them unless stickers are in place is what he is saying. He said the last time this happened was uh, four years ago. They said uh, they previously stole a bit more equipment, and we did have to claim insurance, and it did drive the rates up. He said the last robbery, uh, this latest robbery, will cost the shop $2,500. He says he plans to replace the storefront window with shatterproof glass sometime in the next few days. Uh, the police say that there have been 46 break-ins in the area since the middle of December. Six of those break-ins involve smashing a door and window in front of the business. They're recommending that they place less valuable products in their windows. Does, is that really going to discourage anybody? I would think so to some extent. But I'm curious, how big is Halifax? They've had 26 break-ins since December Yeah, because variety. Yeah, in the article, they show a photo and you can see the car, a car pull up right in front of it. So they must have just, while the car's idling, smashed the window, grab what they can get, and then run off. So less uh, than CSI would have had a camera. They'd have enhanced the photo. <laughs> it had the truck. It had been off in five minutes. What's the big deal? Yeah, they got all that recognition running against all these uh, international databases that don't yet exist and getting their pro- get their stuff. Get the thief. It, it just shows the other item, too. When you call the police, they just come and pick up the bodies or make the reports. It's a reactionary type of item. They they didn't prevent preventive. it from happening because that's not how they're staffed. They're not necessarily a deterrent. You know, they can help by being visible and walking around, but it's not, if somebody's determined enough, they're going to be able to come and grab your items. Not even determined. Just wait till you go by on your watch hitting someplace else, and then bang. Obviously, it's working 26 times. Yeah. I have to ask my friend who's a glazier what kind of glass I can put to prevent that. I mean, can you do a laminated glass where it would be tough for them to get in? Well, you drive a car through it. Uh, it's going to... Well... It's like the guys stealing the ATMs. I mean, they just, you know, drive through the wall, put a chain on it, and drag it out. Yeah, well, I mean, that's a little different. I doubt that unless you're a jewelry shop, which you've probably got other things you're doing for security. Or a pawn shop. Or a pawn shop, that's that's true. And and most of those I see are a little bit more secure, but, uh, you, you know, hey, a, a dive shop, if you're driving in, unless it's a stolen car, you're going to spend more money in damaged car than you would in a, what you're going to haul off. And that's why you need a trashy pickup. <laughs> <laughs> and you just run the back into it. Oh gosh! Backs have really no bumpers and no, uh, you know, rear. So, sounds like you've thought about this a little bit. Yeah. Is that why you don't have a pickup anymore? <laughs> <laughs> I'll never tell. I kind of wonder what that first American Bank sign was in the garage. Hey, those safe sight finders strictly from the river. <laughs> Next up, uh, local scuba diver is a little upset. Somebody's taking his balls. <laughs> Uh, he has a business traveling to dozens of local golf courses. He puts on scuba gear and retrieves wayward balls from the bottom of lakes and ponds. But lately, you notice there haven't been as many balls to be had, and he's not at all happy about it. His theory is someone is sneaking in the golf courses in the middle of the night to go skin diving and beat him to the golf balls. <laughs> Some, at the end of the article, he says, uh, there's another theory in that local duffers have learned to lay up. 
which I, I'm taking. That sounds logical. Yeah, it's uh, what he's what somebody's saying is that they're just getting better. First time I tried, I couldn't get to that, but I know that a picture they've got is is a lie. It's not real. With the shiny white ball. Yeah, in blue water that you can see. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it wouldn't be there. No, it wouldn't look like that. Look like Papa sometimes. Well, next up we have uh, Jenny Thompson cites the benefits of Olympic pool in the city, and this is Dover, and it's the Foster Daily Democrat. Now, where in the world is that? I was Dover, New Hampshire. So it's New Hampshire. Okay, so it's the U.S. And southeastern Maine, right? Southeastern Maine. Well. So a mother, full-time doctor, and four-time Olympian said her training would have been even better if the proposed aquatic center had existed. She said, my mother and I moved to Denver, to Dover, because of the swim team, coaches, pool, and other recreational activities. I was always an accomplished age group swimmer, but wanted to take the swimming to the next level. So she is encouraging that the area help fund a community diving pool. It's going to be a 14,000-square-foot aquatic center. Estimated the cost $14 million. It'll be run by a separate 503C entity. How many square feet did you say? 47,000 feet. Okay, it's that's the center, not just the pool. <laughs> that would no, be an awesome pool. They said it's going to be a true Olympic link, 50-meter indoor pool. They said they've uh, dreamed of having one that big for years. Makes me think of the report you did a couple of weeks ago. Uh, the one in Canada where they were closing it down? The one they were closing down? Yeah, that was uh, uh, Quebec. And it's, it seems to me it's like the funding is the big deal. It costs $14 million, but it doesn't say how much it'll be for maintenance. And then it said, to what, the city contributes 200000 towards the community pool programs, but not towards this one. So I, I'm hoping they have thought of maintenance costs. Well, right now, especially if, you have an, if you're in an area where you have uh, Olympic athletes, there's a lot of parent money that goes into swimming. Uh, my, my daughter happens to be on a swim team, and it's not expensive, but there's a lot of swimmers. And if they all kick that in and they're doing it, you know, $100 every, you know, six, eight weeks, that adds up. But there's, and it always seems that there's grant money for new things, not so much money for maintenance. So that's something that a community's got to be aware of. Are they going to be able to keep it funded and going? They can call it new maintenance. New maintenance. We we're adding a new plaque to the front door. Because they just went through that kind of stuff over here at Benton Harbor for their swimming pool. But Benton, Benton Harbor's got a swimming pool? Yeah, yeah. Been years since I've been there, but it's part of the school part. Then it went into disrepair, and of course, since they're sort of bankrupt, they didn't have any money, but they did get some kind of funds from someplace, so they were able to get it back functioning again. Uh, we could do a whole. This is a big cost. Yeah, we could we could pull that episode just on Benton Harbor Schools. Our World Underwater Expo is looking for volunteers. This, according to DiveWire, uh, the event which will be held February 15th through the 17th will take place at the Stevens Convention Center. Uh, and there's a lot of events which we talk about that pretty frequently on the show. But if you are interested, you can contact uh, the organizers, and it's Jim uh, Gentile. Am I pronouncing his name right? It's what it looks like. Uh, and so it's a jim.gentile, G-E-N-T-I-L-E, at ourworldunderwater.com. And you can say, hey, I want to volunteer. They still have a few positions open. They didn't say what they were. Uh, but it's going to looks like it's going to be a pretty packed show. It usually is. It's usually pretty darn good. 
And I know where we are going to have a representative group there. Yep. And I don't think I've got anything conflicting with it. That's that's always a challenge this time of year. I the only thing I have to check on yet is make sure my daughter doesn't have a swim meet. That will be the that'll be the determining factor. So somehow I'm gonna have to find out, hopefully before next week. Well the sixteenth is a Saturday. That's what I'm I got mine down for. I, I think actually parking is more expensive than getting into it. What was that last time we went? I'm just trying to remember how much think, that was. Parking, uh, I think, was 18. You, what we did was we parked in the uh, transit lot and then walked over, the bus lot. Oh, really? Yeah, it's only a short walk from there. And this next one, this is, a, I think, an excellent idea. If you're a dive shop, you need to partner with other groups. And uh, Stuart Scuba is partnering with Sailfish Splash Water Park, and they're launching a scuba diving instruction program in the spring. Aspiring divers as young as eight are going to be able to take underwater water courses, and they're going from Discover Scuba, Adult and Junior Open Water, Advanced Open Water, Enriched Air, Rescue Diving, Master Diving, uh, and a full suite of specialty and pro. So it sounds pretty much like all the dive classes you get at a normal shop, the shop is going to be doing at the water park. So that it sounds interesting. Well, you think about it, you're going to have all the traffic at that water park, and say they give you a section of the park that you can throw some tape up and reserve some tables and you do lessons, and then you're going to have some things you'd be able to do in the pools there. You just create all sorts of visibility to a younger crowd who might not know about it. This might be their first chance to see this type of activity in person. So I think this is an excellent idea. Hook them early, hook them often. Yep. And another thing that you can do with pools is you can drain them. This one is from out of the UK. The Sea Life Critter Keepers, they drained one of their pools, and they were surprised that uh, since it had been 23 years since its last being drained, they found 12,000 shark teeth in the gravel. Wow. At some point, you got to wonder, is yeah. there, was there more shark teeth than gravel? Well, if you've got sharks, you know, hey, that's something I hadn't thought about. Next time I do the uh, dive down at Disney is to get in the gravel looking for shark teeth. Yeah, see. <laughs> <laughs> We're grubbing. <laughs> Take your grubbing bag with you. Hey, your catch bag. <laughs> I can see it now. Yeah. Three feet down in the muck with my feet sticking up. Well, and and I wonder I how many sharks. Last time they let me dive at Disney. <laughs> Make sure you got somebody in the outside videotaping that. We want we want the footage. That's <laughs> quite a handful they're showing there too, you know. Well, that and that's that can't be twelve thousand. I mean, that's no, just that's a nice handful though. Yeah. I didn't see any megalodons in there though. No, no. But it kind of gives you an idea why meg why we find megalodons because how I was going to wonder is how many sharks. Are, have been in that. I mean, is there 10, 20, 100? Uh, at one point they talk about that uh, the, the, one of the, the black-tipped reef shark sheds a whole row of more than 40 teeth every month. So you figure what he's he's dropping 500 teeth a year about, and you've got 10 of him. You know, that's 5,000. Yeah, so they, they, might, they might not have got them all. Well, I figure these guys, too, though, eat a little different than the ones in nature. I bet they lose lose their teeth a little less. Yeah, they're not being they're not attacking items. They're not shredding it per se. You think? Yeah, I I don't picture them, you know, lunging after a sea lion or or diver cleaning out the tank. 
Yeah, well, maybe. So cool. Very nice. So that that I can, I'm just I'm picturing Jim there grabbing the bottom. Visibility of tank goes to about zero. <laughs> People are beating on the glass. Yeah. Cut that out. I don't know. Jim and, would... uh, it's one thing to lose a few teeth, but uh, to, to lose your periscope, a U.S. nuclear attack sub hits a fishing vessel in the Gulf. The American Uh-oh. attack submarine hit a fishing trawler after it passed through the Strait of Hormuz into the Persian Gulf. Uh, well, a week ago now, no one was injured in the incident, which occurred at 5 a.m. local time. The top of the submarine's periscope was shorn off, and the sub was forced to use a second periscope. The reactor in the vessel was not affected. They say it appears the trawler did not even realize it hit the submarine. It didn't suffer any damage. The vessel just continued on its course. And that's their story, and they're sticking to it. Well, that's what I'm wondering. Is like, why? Why is this even come out? It it does. I mean, that's one of the questions that has to be asked. Is uh, it's a military vessel? Nobody noticed. Wouldn't you just kind of go, no harm, no foul? Let's not look silly. Uh, you would like to because that captain's not going to come out really good. No, I mean, what, what's a periscope probably run? That's probably what a ten million dollar price tag to bring that into a dry dock and have that worked on? Well, I don't know what kind they have. A lot of the newer subs use a fiber optic trail. It's a little different. They actually don't use like we're used to as a periscope. Yeah. yeah. Well, I, and there's nothing. I mean, it, it's kind of like, you know, if you think your boat at home, everything's expensive on it. That submarine, it's got to be exponentially more expensive. Yeah. And with it being a nuke, add a factor of 10. Yeah. Yeah, so it I just be the just, same, you know, if it was a non-nuke periscope, it'd be the same, but because of yeah. the nuke periscope, oh, you, or, well, you've you've got that <laughs> they they stamp the N at the end of the serial number, and that costs you another seven hundred thousand. Mm. It's got it's got to be specially certified. Well, if you're gonna do maintenance on a billion dollar boat, you know, what's a million or two? <laughs> True. Yeah, and uh, not really part of scuba the news, but we had uh, I I saw that. In some of the bills, they approve funding of the whole new round of uh, nuclear submarines. The They're going to build some more of the current class. They were going to do engineering on a new prototype and then fund building a couple of those. So, um, I'm, I'm, I'm actually a big fan of the submarine program, which is probably getting a little political, but uh, a cool thing that you've got to do. But, man, this stuff's expensive. Yeah, I think the new ones are the Virginia class. Yeah, well, th- well, this one, the funding was to build some of the Virginia, and then they had some code name so they're working on the next next generation they said they were going to be ready like 2030 well the soviets already got their one out what one's that one well i think the new one for the for the americans is going to be what the centurion that sounds familiar but i i didn't plan on covering it so i didn't pull it up but yeah it's i'm it's a fast attack at the virginia classes yeah not a boomer no i think they all there's they've got some of those uh they have some light missile capability, but they. Well, you figured they're two point five billion dollars per unit. Yeah. So that's a couple of shekels. A few. But they were talking here. They're phototronic mask mm-hmm. instead of the uh, traditional periscope. The class utilizes a pair of ANBS BVS telescoping phototronic mast located outside the pressure hull. Each contain high resolution cameras, lights, intensification, and infrared sensors. Yeah, well, and that makes sense. You you have a much smaller hole in the pressure hull to run the fiber optics through. And you got a less obvious item. If you're trolling in somebody's water or backyard, you shouldn't be. They're maybe not as likely to see this other item. Yeah, 
Yeah, not so many shiny reflective spots. Yeah. Well, what well, I think what originally drew me to the story was thinking, well, if it had been sunk, that'd be something to dive on, not that they'd have left it there. But Jim, in that list that you're on for surplus, wouldn't that be a great item to have in a preserve? It certainly would. A nice fast attack submarine. Only if you could do penetrations. They're not as pretty as a regular old boat. They're too sterile unless you can get inside of them. Well, that's true. Well, how about an old boomer? Can those fit through the locks? Well, all you do is blow off all the hatches, leave the hatches off for all the, you know, for the uh, missile tubes. Well, you would have to do, if you're going to do it for diving, is you'd have to open up uh, several spots on the side. Yeah, yeah. Because, uh, you know, recreational divers are incapable of entering. Is, is would be the theory, but I'd, I'd even be willing to put up with that. You know, we could you know, do six holes, two forward, two aft, a couple midsection. If one, if one of the original plans they had for the Great Lakes had come to fruition, you might have that opportunity. Do you know what I'm talking about? No. <laughs> at, now one you got time, at one time, they had actually projected having boomers, ballistic missile carrying submarines in the Great Lakes. Well, in a certain wouldn't aspect, have to worry they, about, wouldn't have to worry about Russians chasing them. Well, and and wouldn't be the able to aspect, find them. They wouldn't have to have the same crewage. Fire. Right. They wouldn't have to have the same crewage. You've got about a 900-foot depth, you know, for Lake Michigan, 925,000 if you look at some of the holes. Put one in Superior, that's 1,000 feet plus. Don't put anything in Lake Erie. It's too damn shallow. <laughs> <laughs> well, it would corrode. But they said they, they could strip it because all you need is a launch platform. You know, you don't need the avionics. You don't need a bunch of stuff. Well, it would have been a bargain compared to the Minuteman program that we had back then because they can't target it because what are they going to hit? I mean, you drop a nuke on the water. I I think we yeah, know. I mean, that would really screw things up because you are confined. Yeah, the, the Russians would have had to target the whole Great Lakes just to vaporize it. <laughs> well, you you, you got to figure you're, you're close to a real target anyway. <laughs> yeah, well, you get Chicago's a... Got Chicago's number ride. one, and you got a couple of nuke plants that would be very, uh, if they didn't take them out, I'd be very surprised. Yeah. No, but was, if if was, we do, and damned if you don't, you got one north and south of it. So. Yeah, yeah that was, that's all Cold War stuff. I don't think anybody anymore really gives a, a lop about hitting all these uh, these targets. So that does it for Scuba the News. A little derail there at the end on some, uh, some naval talk, but... Now we've got some potentially cool scuba gear. This one's a follow-up from, I think this is at DEMA. If that wasn't this year, it was the year before. Casio has their underwater transceivers for scuba divers. They've developed an underwater transceiver that uses technology developed for manufacturing casinos' computer products. It's uh, LogoEase. LogoEase? It was launched January 18th. enables voice communication uh, it, uh, the transceiver measures, I don't know why we want to talk about measures. It's about 107 grams, which is, is fairly light. Looks like it attaches to the strap and then it, it's capable of either broadcasting or receiving. It doesn't appear that it can do both at the same time. You tap the side of it and it switches from one mode to the other. What I thought was a little unusual is it seems kind of pricey. Suggested retail price for a transceiver is $664 plus tax. They expect to make 10,000 units this year. And they said that it 
it's like visibility. It's it seems it must be line of sights. I don't know if it's using infrared or something else, but they said it's going to go with the visibility. So does that mean in in like river diving, there's it won't work? Well, actually, it was ultrasonic. Well, it's ultrasonic. To me, I thought that's how it was communicating between you and like your bones that was vibrating. But you're saying that's also how it's commun- it's sending signals. Yeah. yeah, the wave band is 32 kilohertz. Yeah. The comment about the visual range underwater, that sounded like a miss verbiage or something. It's, I don't know what they meant by that. Oh, I wonder if somebody, if they just, somebody said, well, how far could you see underwater? And they said 100 feet. And they said, how long will it go? And they said 90 feet. And they said, oh, within visual range. Because that seems such an arbitrary. Yeah. To, to me, when they say that, I was thinking it's affected by visibility. But I bet it's just a writer's taking little liberty with the the language and not realizing what it is they're covering. Uh, they expect that uh, the transceiver will reduce the sounds of breathing uh, that and air exhausting. So they got some circuitry built in. It you know what they need to do? They need what? to send us four or five of these or a dozen or twenty, <laughs> and we'll try them out. They'll say go back to the old method of the glove method. Yeah. That's what we could do. That's what we need. Glove versus the underwater transducer, which I mean, works already, better. Yeah, and you already got the glove on, so yeah, a little little chilly for the cold water. So, but hey, <laughs> yeah. it does work. Yeah. So we'll follow up to that. Yeah, it's good to see new gear out. I just I'd like to see that about a third that price. Now that could be list, so who knows what it actually ends up being at market for. And then here's one, you know, Jim, you're talking about going to the gym. We've got the a fitness company is launching a mobile app to encourage scuba diving fitness. The iOS app is called Fit Diver. Let's see, they talk about price. So what they've, they're trying to do is have workouts that are aimed at scuba diving, saying that scuba diving is unique physical activity and that they've been able to adjust for it. So I don't know. I, does this BS or is this something that's real? technical so it's way beyond me yeah well we're at that time of year so a good time of the year to launch it because we'll have uh, we'll have speedo season coming up here <laughs> unless you've got the fur line merinos and you're you're not wearing them right now and then uh, the last potentially cool scuba gear we've followed this one for the last few weeks the kickstarter project uh blue buddy halfway through their run and they've already reached their funding goal as of the Yay. time we're recording the show, they've got 201 backers. They needed $20,000, and they've reached 21518 And there's still nine days to go. So let's see. We're January 24th. So, you know, you know give yourself a shot. Uh, funding ends on February 3rd, so you still got a little bit of time. And they still have some available, so you get a discounted price. So if you want a guaranteed thing, and guaranteed as much as uh, Kickstarter projects can be, so for as little as $109, you can pick one up. Yeah, so now if you order one, there's no question about it. If yeah. you follow through and do what they've committed to, you will get the device. Yep. And uh, if you go through the comments, you can see that they're currently testing the software. If you were in the California area and signed up, they were having some beta testers, and they've already got the software going, and they're working on some refinements. And then once the dive, the uh, uh, APIs are available for the, I think it's called Bluetooth 4.0. 
in Android, then they'll be adding it. They'll adding the software to Android, which we're expecting to happen about the May time frame. So, cool device. So, still got a little bit of time. And so that does it for gear, and we'll move on to some photos. First one's an art exhibit. This one's also a little bit of a follow-up. We covered this article a little bit earlier in the year. They were placing art on a wreck in Key West. It was the Sinking World exhibit that has opened Thursday and continues through February 15th in the studios of Key West. An Australian art photographer, he displayed the works of art 95 feet deep on a ship in the Florida Keys National Marine Sanctuary. It was on the Vandenberg, which was a missile tracking ship that was scuttled as an artificial reef. He had photographed the wreck and digitally added elements such as haunting images, a young girl welding, a uh, welding, wielding a butterfly net. I, I even did that when I, I thought it was welding earlier. Capture fish and workmen perched on a crossbeam to eat his lunch. The four foot by five foot photographs were sandwiched in plexiglass displayed on Vandenberg's weather deck beneath the ocean surface for almost five months. Barnacles, algae, and other organisms grew, and uh, slight water leaks altered the images to create the works that are now being exhibited on land. The artist says, my art looks quite similar above the water as it does underneath, but over time when the sea life started growing, it changed dramatically. It gives it a third dimension to the surface. So, cool. Wonderful to see more of that type of art. And if you like some uh, photos with people in it, the examiner is reporting that they have naked environmentalists taking underwater photos for shark awareness. Do you have pictures? Yes, we do. Excellent. (laughs) <laughs> you're they're gonna have to go. PG. Well, they're they're tastefully done because the whole thing is they want everybody to go look, get excited about naked, and then go view the view the photos. One of the models says, "I don't have any problems taking my clothes off, and when it's to help sharks, I'm even happy to do it." <laughs> so they're trying to do is draw attention to that nets are wiping out the tiger shark shark population, which people come from all over the world to dive with. Uh, high value of the shark diving ecotourism industry. So this is uh, from South Africa. So I encourage this more of them, and it and looks you're like they, right along with the next one, aren't you? Yeah, the next one f- flows right on into this. Jerry Hall and her daughter pose topless. At least that's what the article says. Together for tuna. I'll give them a can. Yeah. So the new photo campaign is for an organization called Fish Love. It's devoted to making a stand against overfishing. The mother and daughter are shown smiling and posing with dead, wide-eyed tuna. And the association is quick to point out that the fish were taken and the photographs were caught sustainably. Jerry Hall said, I feel very passionately about keeping the oceans healthy. 80% of the life on Earth comes from the oceans. It's important that we take the power and buy sustainable fish. So there you go. (laughs) And uh, for the women, if you're... Don't, don't feel like you're left out. Ben Kingsley had uh, done one for Fish Love where he is naked holding an octopus. And you can tell what part is the octopus. Uh, looks like they're try- also trying to convince uh, Prince Harry to, to pose. I think he did already, but that was in Vegas, as I recollect. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, a little bit uh, different. And, you know, I don't know if, if, cam- if uh, cell phone cameras give quite the same quality of photos now you if, if you were to and i don't encourage people out there in the audience to go 
uh, surfing under that title, Jerry Hall and Daughter, you will find other items of them that are maybe a little more risque than that. Though. Uh, okay, yeah. yeah. You got to be careful what you search for. I'm, I'm not entirely sure I want to do a search on fish love. You don't want to do one on the seven dwarfs either. <laughs> no white and seven dwarfs. You're going to get all sorts of weird stuff. So just uh, heads up there if your kids are up there looking for that kind of Disney cartoon. Yeah, hi ho, hi ho. <laughs> Sound like you've been there. <laughs> uh, next one is uh, we have a video of injured dolphins, which is uh, seeking help from a diver. And this one went viral about two or three days ago. Uh, and, I, and I actually have to say, I haven't even watched the video. So let me see. I'll hit play. Oh, my gosh. It's an eight-minute video. Have, have either of you seen this? Not no, until you just mentioned it, but I haven't actually watched it. That's when you wish you had a pair of scissors instead of a knife. Yeah. So the, the video starting with the first 30 seconds is a disclaimer and a warning, advocating you not to attempt to rescue marine life on your own. Leave it to the professionals. Oh my gosh, this, why is this a video? It's more like a novel. So this has happened January 11th. A blue rays are feeding on plankton. A blue bottle's dolphin swam into an area. It's a pretty dark picture, too. It's almost like it was at the evening or something. It was a night dive. Oh, okay. Duh, I read the thing. I can see that. Uh-huh. So, that'd be a cool video. I mean, forget that they there's a, a rescue that goes on in it. Just watching the mana dive, mana ray dive. And during the video, if you want uh, URLs to the different groups, they, they were happy to fill it with a bunch of uh, marketing information. Kind of looks like the beginning of uh, Close Encounters of the Third Kind, doesn't it? You don't have the music, it doesn't count, right? Yeah, I don't think they can hear the music. Yeah, well, that, yeah, we you, you need the uh, synthesizer playing. So saying a dolphin was having difficulty moving and its body fluids are being restricted. I guess I'm having a hard time in the video seeing what they're talking about. Can you? Is, are we supposed to be able to see it caught in the net? I can't see it. It looks like he's working on the hook on the fin, but might have it and then rolled and then wrapped around his body. Yeah, I'm about two and a half minutes into the video, and I'm not seeing anything. They act like they're seeing something. Riveting, just amazing having us describe to you a video. Okay, this must be the section they're talking about. The dolphin's kind of turning on his side. Okay. Now I'm, now I'm reading the article. It says at about 3.30 is when the untangling, which we're just about two or three seconds away from now. Oh, okay. And we put that in the show notes so the other people can watch it while you're watching too, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's what we'll do. Also, uh, yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll edit this section out, right? All this dead air. Oh, all the dead air. Well, of course. Uh, that's one of the benefits. Uh, in the end, this will be about five seconds. But uh, for those listen- who, well, who are you're listening benefit- live, you're getting the full... That's like play-by-play. The, yeah. the full Monty, huh? Yeah. I'm going to guess that this particular dolphin has been around divers quite a bit. I mean, I know they're curious, but they seem awful. He seems awful friendly. Or he's in dire straits, like, well, I really need some freaking help. Yeah. Might have been a flipper's cousin. Yeah, it, it's like a really fine, looks like a net. You, I, I still can't see it, but you can tell that the diver's cutting something. Well, you can't hardly see that monofilament. So is it maybe, is that what it is, monofilament? Is it a monofilament I'm net? I'm sorry, that was a hook he oh, was on. Oh, I'm sorry. I've been saying net. It's a, He has fishing line and a hook stuck in one of its fins. Right, because if he got that stuck and he rotated, rolled, like they tried to do the break it, that would have tied him up. Yeah. 
would have been very restrictive. I mean, you get a couple of hundred feet on those suckers. Yeah. So, so now the dolphin's going up for air because you got to remember they're mammals and they're they're breathing air, and that's at about six minutes in the video. So they got the looks like they got line off, and now they're trying to remove the hook. Wow. They said the hook is still in the the dolphin, but they were able to make sure that all the line was out. Huh. Very interesting. So we'll have a link to that in the show notes. And thanks again to Tweetin, who keeps updating our show notes. At least he's done the last 10, last 10 of them in three weeks. So we'll we'll send him these and they'll be in there. So what we tend to do is about midnight of the night of recording, we have the podcast uploaded. And then usually by noon the next day, we have the show notes all ready to go. So again, thanks to Tweetin for doing that. That does it for the video of the week and it does it for scuba and the news and all those sections. So we're on to where we get to talk about diving, but may, up here in, if you're in the Northern hemisphere, specifically the North half of the United States, not really optimum dive time this last seven, eight days. Would you say? Absolutely not. Couldn't even fly. Yeah. Oh, so you didn't, you couldn't even get a flying in. Was it just too cold? Is a too windy. Oh, too windy. Yeah, we did have a little bit of wind. Yes, we have. Yeah, so we need. Yeah, uh, we talked all the snow. Yeah, we talked before the show about uh, the ice building, and it does seem to be building a little bit. So no, no plans for diving this weekend. Then I take it. Nope. Be in Chicago though at the FAA seminar. Oh, you will be. Yes, sir. You're welcome uh, to come. Uh, I would love to, except for I am going to be experience the great outdoors and camping. Excuse me. Yeah, that's what I say. Boy Scout Winter Camp, huh? Yeah, Boy Scout Winter Camp. Going to get up at 5 a.m. Saturday morning because we don't want to camp Friday night. So we're going to go there and make a whole day of it and then camp overnight so he can get his sleeping in the... And I'm trying to censor myself. (laughs) (laughs) You guys in a pup tent or a bigger tent? Well, I'll have my own tent. Um I picked one up for my parents. They had a nice one. The problem is that all the tents, including the one I have and all of them that the scouts have, the, the troop has tents for the scouts, are all summer tents. They have the the screen tops. So you're really not going to build up any heat in it. You're not going to get any freaking heat. No, you're not going to get any heat that's going to build up in that. So whatever the temperature is outside, it's in there. About the only thing you're going to do is keep the, the snow off. I've got Plastic my Arctic. Tarp. What's that? Plastic tarp over the top on the outside. Yeah, I'm I'm thinking about doing that. I I've, I do have a a good fly, but yeah, I was thinking about that. Just getting a really heavy tarp and put it over you it. You need the club heater. <laughs> do I need the club heater? Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's, it's it's against scout rules to have any flame in a tent. So. Be prepared. I thought it was a scout rule number one. Well, some of the leaders don't even camp in the tent. That they're going to do is get the fire blazing and sleep outside. Some of them are a little claustrophobic and don't sleep in tents. Yeah, Dave's saying just use the camper. <laughs> I, could, I could do that. I could tow the camper there. It's got a it's got a furnace. Yeah, but, the uh, back of the truck sounds pretty good. Yeah, I could do that. Uh, but this is this is going to be at one of the scout camps, so. It's, you know, I'm going to camp with them, set up the tent, do all that sort of stuff. Darn it's it, always it's fun. Like fun. It, it, it will be fun. I'm just am not looking forward to it. I'm glad I got my winter blood going, though. Last weekend, I couldn't even consider it. But uh, this week seems to, something's changed. I'm not, I, I've, I've been, I was cold, I think, from last Wednesday to Tuesday. 
just I could not get warm no matter what I did. So I don't know if my thermostat broke or what it was, but I'm okay now. So I'm, I'm maybe I'm just psyching myself up for it. Long needle pine bowels. Hand warmers by the dozen. Yes, I do have some hand warmers. When I built the house out here, we my dad and I used those. So I'm going to dig those up. And I, I've got the the uh, the chemical kind where you you light it and then you put it in the brick and it keeps yeah. going. You got to have airflow for that one. But yeah, those are pretty nice. They last longer too. Yeah. It, put some rocks in the fire and then take them out and put them in the bottom of the sleeping bag. Yeah. Yeah. I tell you one thing. Kim lights don't give out a lot of heat. No. <laughs> <laughs> but that's what I'm going to be doing. So this weekend at about 11 p.m. Eastern time, think of me and know that I am freezing my you-know-what off. We expect pictures. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll take a picture. <laughs> What's the frostbite make things look better? Uh, well, if I had, I, that sounds like fun. I'd like to do that. But I was trying to, actually, I was trying to get my daughter to want to go out there and camp out in the snow in the back. Of course, she didn't want to have anything to do with it. <laughs> she said last time she went out with me on an outing was that New Year's ice dive and froze herself. So <laughs> very leery about going out in the snow. Well, you, you know what we need to do, Mac, is that we need to get you set up as a, as a scout counselor. Next year, you can join me and we'll do an ice dive in the middle of the day. Well, that's true. I used to be a scout master. Yeah, you get. So you'll 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 pass the background check as long as they don't look at anything about diving, and uh, we'll, <laughs> we'll we we can go out in the ice and we could do we, it would probably be pretty cool we could do a demonstration on it and oh it'd uh, be cool all right yeah that my uh, fellow scoutmaster is also a certified diver he hasn't been diving in twenty years but he's certified so maybe we'll have to do that next year or even if you didn't want to go and stay the whole night we could still fit an ice dive in. They do have items, objects in that lake. I understand there's a pontoon boat and a couple canoes. What lake is it? This is the Camp Tamarack in Cass, uh, not Cass, uh, Jones, Michigan. And the lake, I can't remember. It's a series of three lakes, and they're small lakes. Um, one's called Big, one's called Small. <laughs> One calls Middle. <laughs> I don't know what the other one's called, Middle, but... Uh, I'll have to do some some looking up on it, but there there are some lakes and uh, they did do they did do scuba diving this last year. I didn't get a chance to do it, so I wouldn't mind getting in the water there. But that's going to be me this weekend. I, I I was even considering what of my scuba gear I could repurpose for warmth. I'm actually tempted to bring my three finger gloves. Well, I was going to say, you know, you could use a wetsuit, but I wouldn't recommend your wetsuit. No. <laughs> uh, the uh, the boots yeah. might not be too bad if you can get socks inside and then more boot on the outside. Yeah, I've done. The three finger I've, gloves would be good. The hats, any kind of hood or hat would be good. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, maybe maybe I'll do that. The the gloves, the the boots. I have used my boots before to shovel snow. And that's not too bad uh, because uh, they, they're a little grippy, but uh, mine are to the point of needing replacing. So, you guys got uh, outdoor privies? Or you got porta johns out there? Uh, I don't know if they're going to have outdoor privies or not. They they're all plumbed bathrooms. So what I'm imagining is at the center of the camp, they have the bathrooms warmed up, and they do actually they do have a privy. Yeah, they do have privies if they if they put them out. I I don't think this is a normal event, so I don't know how much of the the, the Portageons are going to be out. 
Oh, we, Portage Island. Just, uh, we're going to be writing our name in the snow. Yeah, they get they get a little chilly when you sit on those suckers. Let me tell you. Yeah. They're outdoor ones. Yeah. Just wear the uh, red long johns with the little trap for. Yeah, so I'm, I'm, I've got to go get all my long johns and everything together. Looking at some of my camping gear right next to me right now. So that's tomorrow is going to be getting all that stuff organized. So bright and early Saturday morning, we'll we'll get out there and go. The kids built a old-style sled where they took trees and cut them and shaped them and lashed them together to make a sled. So I'll have I'll, I'll do some photos. We'll have photos that we can put into that. So not quite diving, but that will, it'll be interesting. It'll be fun. Looking forward to burning some calories, I guess, is, is what it does. Drop a, drop a few pounds. And speaking of that, let's go ahead and uh, see if anybody in the chat room. God, we keep I, I, I meant to do it earlier. We already had a few people leave, but we've got some more tea that we're giving away, courtesy of my wife. So herbal tea concentrate. I'll warn you, do not take the tea past 5 p.m. unless you want to stay up half the night. It has a pretty good kick to it. Call it energy tea. So let me uh, let me pull up the let's see who do we got in the chat room here? Paul and Dave and Chris was still there. Yep. So if you're in the chat room, you can qualify for this. And I think let me go to my website to get the random number generator. And, All right. Uh, I want to throw the chat room. So okay. You're, you're ready? What what are we going between numbers between what and where? Uh, let's do let's let's shake it up a little bit. We'll do between five hundred and one thousand. Okay, guys, put your numbers in between five hundred and one thousand. Five hundred and one thousand. I see one. No, five hundred, Dave. Five hundred. So change. So did everybody who wanted to. There you go, Dave. That's better. So let's see. We've got one, two, three numbers. Is anybody else? Is that it? Uh, okay, for Lisa. Let me throw one in for Lisa. Uh, okay, I threw one in for Lisa. Okay, and here's the the number that the generator kicked up. So let's see. Which one's closest? <laughs> Chris. It <laughs> should have been 666. Who, did, who got it? 700, Paul. Well, wait. What, what did Dave have? Dave had uh, six seventy-eight. Or did he get? Did he was just going different numbers? Well, that's Chris. Yeah, Chris had Chris had six seventy-eight. Yeah, six seventy-eight. So is that the closest then? That's the closest. So we have Chris. So Chris, uh, drop me a line with your postal address, and we'll get that sent off. And I I still have Dave's to send off from last week. Shows you how how prompt I am. So we'll get those in. And what my goal is to sell. Uh, 40,000 of these packets and I'll have a dry suit. <laughs> so, but we're giving it away. It's, it's good tea. I, I drink two of these every day and I've pretty much given up coffee except for tonight. I had to do a little coffee, some Irish cream in it, but for, for other reasons. And and I'm not kidding about taking it late. I'm, I made a mistake one night. I took it at about six 30 and I could probably could have worked on a doctoral thesis about 1am. So I like to have a little coffee with my Irish cream. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> little hot chocolate's good with my Irish cream too. Yeah, you can you can drop a little little dollop in there. And occasionally one ice cube is very good with the Irish cream. Yeah, if you, yeah. You, sometimes with some of those things you gotta touch them off a little bit. Oh, we, we, a little bit. We were talking about uh, you know last week we had moonshiners had some diving on. They had scuba diving on this week where they actually went down. I won't spoil the ending, but we got to see divers in the water. I I have to believe that the 
videographers were a little upset that they couldn't get much footage because you can imagine what kind of shots they were getting in a muddy river. <laughs> it was kind of brown and there would be a little kind of like Mac. You remember when we were doing that dive in the Cooper yes. where you, you put the light away and you couldn't see the light and then you pointed it back at your eyes and you go, Oh, it's on. And then you point it away and it's gone. Yes. That's what it looked like. <laughs> Great television. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, yeah, not, not, not exactly the tropics that they were filming, but I have to say, these are some good, pretty good hardcore divers to, to go into a middle of a river. And this is not like a little tiny Creek. This is a river that 60 some feet deep in the drop down on objects that you don't know what they are. These rescue divers were hardcore. Okay. So, uh, make sure you get over and you follow us. You, you can follow us on Twitter at scuba obsessed we're also on facebook facebook.com forward slash scuba obsessed and we're also on access scuba access scuba.com forward slash scuba obsessed and the website you can't forget the website we'll have the show notes posted www.scubaobsessed.com and we also love those five-star reviews so head on over to itunes give us a five-star review if you if you like the show if you don't then please don't leave anything <laughs> Okay. Well, is there anything else I'm forgetting? Anything you, you want to plug, uh, Mac or Jim? No, other than we do have a tentative dive schedule for February 2nd. Ah, that's that's right. Saturday after this. We hope to be going to Lake 16, and we'll consolidate and get everything squared away during the week. Yep. So if you're thinking about it, keep us in mind. Yeah. So if, if you've... Give us an email. Yeah. So Midwest Diving, Lake 16, which is in Martin, Michigan, or thereabouts. I don't know if it's actually directly in Martin, but that area. We'll be doing an ice, ice dive. And it's cool to do this and then come back and do it in the summer and see what the difference is. Completely different world. Dave's in the chat room saying we need to do the Mud uh, Club dives on Sunday since he works Saturday. Guy, he must have a jerk for a boss. Make him work Saturdays. <laughs> we, we we won't repeat that dave but I, I did talk to rich he's he's in florida this week having a good old time down there we're jealous um gosh seems like we're forgetting something oh oh uh, after, after that time of night yeah after after the show uh jim will have to do some talking i did some research this week and i'll oh good yeah i was i it's it's one of those things where Sunday morning, about 9 a.m., I said, oh, I'm going to do a little bit of something on this and something on that. And then about 10 p.m. at night, my wife goes, what did you do all day? And I felt like I had worked out. I mean, I was exhausted and drained and I have pages and pages of notes, but it was it was fun it was just fun. doing research, yeah, seeing where research, it leads. It can be very addicting, and then your brain starts to hurt because you realize you've looked at the same thing three times, coming at it from four or five or six different angles. Well, it was, and what I was trying to do is – Based on stuff we've talked about on Max Rec and some of the things that you had indicated, it got me thinking about, okay, who who were these people? So I got some names and, you know, who built and who designed and who captained and just the stories behind them were, were very interesting. Yeah. And then you do a layer and you go, okay, because I, I just had questions like, okay, why did this happen at this time and why did this happen on this time and get a sense of time mm -hmm. for events and then realizing some of the politics are going on, uh, you know, recessions, depressions, excavations of canals, uh, the railroad system 
maturing, uh, Great Lakes growing. So all these stories coming together and then looking who these people were. And some of them were quite famous, so so interesting. And then I also did finish Shadow Divers. I finished that last Friday, and I had promised to talk about it. And I have to say, I really enjoyed the book. Let's make that a good topic for next week or a future yep. one. Give everybody a chance to read up on it. Yeah, yeah. So if you haven't read this Shadow Divers or been in a while, we'll we'll talk about it next week. You got a time? I don't call it a quick read, but I can cut through books that are that are interesting to me. And that was one I I went through and. You know, I, I have to, you know, I like, sometimes I like to be critical. I think that's what I get paid to do. And while the, I may have done things a little bit different, I think he achieved what he wanted to do by writing the book. So uh, a good book, worth a read. Um, if you've got people in the family who may be a little concerned and a little nervous about letting you dive, if they know things can go bad, you might not want to let them read it, but there's something to learn. Oh, that Dave, that would be great getting uh, Chapman and uh, Gentile at the same time. That would be pretty cool. Yeah, World yep. War III. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they get some ratings maybe, a little bit. Some people listen. And also, i got to get off my duff and get some guests booked on here. I've been you, so bad on that. I think you'd have to do that at an outside event. Well, could we, could we do an outside event with different people? on Like like they're in different rooms, one on one Skype, one on the other? <laughs> That might work. I mean, even if you got them on the same Skype, but just putting those people in the same room, there's not a room big enough for those egos. Oh, I, was, I wasn't even going there. But when you've got, you know, the credentials and you've done the stuff to back it up, yeah. I guess you're entitled to a large ego. Well, the, the, yeah. Well, and, and then they've done it. They've done it. No, no two. Well, they've done it. And they've done and they've pioneered. That I never would dream of doing, and they did it 20 years ago. Right. I mean, this is stuff that today with everything we know is extremely risky. I mean, and, and you look at that and that's, that's kind of the decisions that many people do. And, you know, I probably have done some not in the magnitude that they have, but just some things where you look back at it and you say, maybe that wasn't the best decision. You know, cause, cause as humans, I think we're bad at assigning risk. Just fundamentally, we don't know what's risky and what's not risky. So, and there was some risk taken there. So we'll talk about the book next week. Make sure you tune in on it for episode 148. Coming up on 150. Yeah, we're getting there. It'll, it'll happen before we know it. Oh, let's see what else is there. There's got to be something else. I always feel like I'm forgetting something else. I need to do better with my notes. Well, we're, we're getting near that time. We are. It's, it's kind of like thrashing, trying to avoid. So I, I guess we can't delay it any longer. So do you have one ready? I've got one ready. It's a bad scuba joke, and hopefully lightning doesn't strike me down. So here we go. Three nuns coming back from a scuba diving trip die when a plane crashes. St. Peter greets them and informs them that in order to get into heaven, they must swear to answer a question apiece. The first nun, who happens to be a novice nun, goes first. For you, says Peter, an easy question. Because of your short time as a nun, who was the first two people? That's easy, replies the nun excitedly. Adam and Eve. Congratulations, says Peter, you're in. He beckons the second nun forward. The second nun has been with the church for ten years and knows quite a bit about her religion. For you, says Peter, a moderately difficult question. What color was Eve's hair? I've never uh, I've never actually studied that, replied the nun, but I'll take a guess. Blonde? Great job, says Peter, you're in. He turns to the third nun, who is the head nun for her church. And for you, the most difficult question indeed. What was the first thing Eve 
said to Adam in paradise. After a moment, the nun looked stumped. Gosh, that's a hard one. Congratulations, you're in. <laughs> yeah, okay. After some of the pictures you were showing tonight, yeah, new to no, our our G rating went right out the window. <laughs> so yeah, you know we're, we're maybe PG thirteen, uh, and then at, remember to stick by after the show, and I'll I'll tell you the joke that we can't tell. So until next week, go out there and get wet and stay safe. And only one nun was almost harmed in the making of tonight's show. Recording has been completed.